Welcome back to See It and Feel It with Dr. Brett. Oh, Jupiter. Hi, do you remember? Jupiter. Do you remember? Yep, Jupiter's a friendly lover. All right, cool. We're back. Um, we got interrupted with my wife, my wife briefly and the, and the puppy, but that was fun. Go ahead. Okay. Um, so did I answer your question about anxiety or you want to know more? Um, I think you answered my question. Maybe um, just a, a takeaway for the listeners, if there's any um, boundary setting suggestions that you oh, Okay, have. so we're talking about the relationship aspects yeah. of um, anxiety. Yeah, well, when we don't honor ourselves, one of my core themes in life is to that I teach and live is to honor yourself in relation to others, right? Mm -hmm. And that's a journey. And a lot of people sort of struggle with that journey. There's a small percentage of people that are, you know, really narcissistic and they pretty much, you know, take care of themselves at the expense of others. Mm -hmm. And then many of us don't really know how to honor ourselves in relation to the people we love. So they're not great at setting boundaries, so to speak, or mm -hmm. saying no. Yeah. I'm not a big fan of the word boundaries. It's really psycho jargon in a way, okay. psychological jargon. <laughs> but like, I like the concept of just saying, being able to say no when you need to in a nice way. And mm -hmm. that's like in the realm of self-expression. So to be able to say, I love you and I'm not doing that, mm -hmm. or I hear you and you actually can paraphrase what someone's saying and yet it doesn't feel right for me, mm -hmm. right? So learning ways to self-express mm -hmm. and to say no. And the hard part about doing that, honoring yourself, basically not doing what doesn't feel right, mm -hmm. is in the beginning, sometimes that creates a lot of resistance. People mm -hmm. get nasty, right? Yeah. Resistance being some people can get mean. Yeah. But if you keep doing it, eventually it will be effective, mm -hmm. right? It's just like the meditation in a way. You got to get yeah. through the first few weeks here. Yeah. Right. So you're doing things that are uncomfortable. They might, it might actually make you more anxious to say no in the beginning, mm -hmm. right? Or to not do things that don't feel right. I was telling um, somebody the other day that uh, you're talking to somebody, being me, that doesn't go, I don't go to, to weddings or funerals unless mm -hmm. it feels right. I just spent my whole 20s and 30s doing you know hundreds or thousands of things that never felt right right mm -hmm. and so now i'm only going or doing something if it feels right if it doesn't feel right i'm not going to do it life is short and sometimes when we're 25 we feel so obligated mm -hmm. right and then when we get older we start to realize you know what our time is running out why am i doing things out of guilt fear or obligation mm -hmm. and so what i'm teaching people to do is pretty much do nothing out of guilt fear or obligation. I'm repeating mm -hmm. that for the camera here because like so much of our behavior, our being human behavior is related to guilt, fear, and obligation as opposed to choice, what feels mm -hmm. right. And again, the more you meditate and the more still you are, the more you can feel, mm -hmm. right? You're in touch with your feelings. So you know what feels right and what doesn't. Mm -hmm. And then you get to a place where you go, okay, now I'm not going to do it. Now that I'm aware of it, mm -hmm. now I've got to stop doing things that don't feel right. Mm -hmm. You know, and then there is often a cost. we got a dog barking in the background, but we'll get past it. Um, but there's almost always a cost short term, yeah. right? Because again, people will get mean, they'll get nasty, they'll get manipulative, mm -hmm. right? They get defensive. And yeah. I'm just saying, look, that's okay. Because mm -hmm. once we get through that, after we've been doing this for months and years, mm -hmm. we're so much happier. Mm -hmm. And again, we're happier because we're not doing things that don't 
feel right mm -hmm. or don't feel good mm -hmm. honoring yourself. Cool. Okay. Um, <laughs> Get a little intense about this because it's really important. Yeah, but it's it's really good advice, especially um, just just because when I guess when you are are raised by certain people or you love certain people, it's it's hard to be okay with upsetting them sometimes. Yeah, and that's also a journey for some people more so than others. Mm -hmm. Again, if you take a, uh, for example, a sociopathic lawyer, he doesn't care about, he or she doesn't care about upsetting somebody. Yeah. They're not worried about other people's feelings. They're just gonna try to win mm -hmm. or whatever it is, get what they want. But some of us are wired to sort of care about other people's feelings so much that we don't honor ourselves mm -hmm. so this is that's why it's a journey mm -hmm. and on that journey often you need a guide someone to sort of a mentor guide or therapist or coach mm -hmm. someone to help you sort of process that journey that mm -hmm. right of honoring yourself in relation to the people you love meaning being able to just bring things up that don't feel good or right in the beginning right mm -hmm. it's hardest to for some of us, it's hard in the beginning to say no or to like do things that like make us feel guilty. Mm -hmm. And so one of one of the things I often say to clients is, no, feel guilty. It's okay. Just don't do the behavior. Mm -hmm. Don't say yes to something that doesn't feel right. If you want to feel guilty, that's fine. I can't take away your guilt that way, mm -hmm. but we can stop your action. And so what's most important in life is our actions, mm -hmm. not our words, right? So if you stop the action, the guilt will eventually recede, mm -hmm. right? And you'll, your self-esteem will go up because the action of honoring yourself consistently will make you feel better about you. Mm -hmm. And then you can actually even be nicer to other people because mm -hmm. you're not running around angry or resentful yeah. or passive aggressive when you're not in touch with your feelings. Yeah. That's a, big a lot of people get passive aggressive. They're not really in touch with, you know, what's upsetting them. Mm -hmm. Cool. All right. I guess I know you mentioned that you're a world traveler, specifically Thailand was your last stop, if I'm correct. Yeah, totally. And, and unfortunately, it's been two, three years or whatever. Oh, no. Yeah, because we were supposed to go back, but we got hit by COVID. Right? Yeah. It is what it is. So. Okay. Well, my question was going to be, um, when you were there, what, what lesson was the one that stood out to you that you learned? Well, about yourself or yeah no it's a great question you know what is it that i learned by living in thailand by myself um you know i was 51 years old and i was living in thailand my mother had died my dog died and the woman i was living with prior to that um turned out to be somebody that um i couldn't trust mm -hmm. uh and so as a result of that i was sort of in a perfect place to just do life very differently and sort of out of the box. Mm -hmm. And so I actually ran a full business from China and Thailand. And Thailand in particular was just an amazing experience because I basically was working with clients like from 5 a.m. to like noon. Mm -hmm. And then I would go work out for two hours and then hit the streets being like, I would try different places for lunch mm -hmm. and I would explore. And then I would work again with people at night because remember it's 12 to 15 yeah. hour time zones and everything. And so every day I had six or seven hours of no agenda, but no cultural agenda. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? None of that sort of background programming of that we have to be a certain way. Mm -hmm. It didn't matter that I was not um, like I was a psychologist or something. Mm -hmm. In Thai, it's like, 
I think I'm like, that's the word for psychologist, whatever. Um, but it didn't matter what my identity was mm -hmm. really, because I got to create whoever I wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And some people didn't speak English or spoke limited English. I met a lot of Germans and a lot of tourists where I was living. Yeah. And so we interacted in a way that was just super fun because it just like, I wasn't, I didn't need the programming of my past when you're yeah. living in a foreign country. Yeah. Now, I'm a high integrity person. I'm super honest. I'm not lying to anybody. Yeah. But there are a lot of foreigners that reinvent themselves, mm -hmm. right? Expats or whatever. They go live somewhere else and they do lie or whatever. But there's a freedom that you experience when you're not so jammed by your conditioning. Mm -hmm. You know, your your schools and your teachers and your culture and all that stuff and your all these sort of rules that you're told that how you're supposed to live. If you live with integrity and you do that anywhere in the world, you're basically free. I was mm -hmm. free in a way I'd almost never been free before. Okay. And so that level of freedom is an amazing thing to experience. Mm -hmm. Like there was no, no one was telling me what to do or how to do it ever. I got to choose every experience. If I didn't want to, I could move my client schedule if I wanted to. It didn't, none of it mattered in a way, mm -hmm. right? I was just living my way. It was a healthy way, but it wasn't like the way you're supposed to or whatever that is, yeah. all that programming. So I invite almost everybody that I experience personally that I help or coach or guide mm -hmm. to, to go live internationally or do something different, right? Mm -hmm. Get out of the box. Even in the United yeah. States, if you leave your little region, mm -hmm. you travel, you start to experience, you meet other people, you want to understand their culture. Mm -hmm. You have an interesting cultural identity, right? Yeah. So you have what? Part Chinese in you? Yeah. Part Jamaican in yes. you? Part Italian? Yes. What else? Them. That's it for now. That's it? <laughs> so you have three cultures to go mm -hmm. explore your roots from. Yeah. Right? And so that would be how amazing would that be to go live in Jamaica or to go live in China? China's a little more difficult. But yeah. Italy yeah. would be amazing, you know? Yeah. Maybe <laughs> China was tough where I lived because I was in a little section of Beijing. And like our neighborhood, no, almost no one spoke English. And I oh. felt like a three-year-old for, for months. Yeah. For days, it, it hurts. But for months, it, it just <laughs> is like otherworldly. I don't, it's so difficult. I know it's a difficult language to learn too. Oh my God. <laughs> it's brutal. Brutal. It's so hard because you're trying, I tried so hard to learn Chinese. And like when you're like speaking something that, you know, and people couldn't help. They would laugh sometimes mm -hmm. and get uncomfortable and stuff because you're saying words that are rude. Yeah. Because they, they're so, they're just a little bit of, you know, the four tones or whatever. If one of those tones is off, you're saying something, mm -hmm. you know, that's just absolute lunacy. And you're trying, I was trying so hard. And it, like literally I lived in this neighborhood where every day I would come down to this coffee shop and try to order a glass of, of juice. Um, Summer fresh juice, wu yao, xia zhe, xin qian, guo zhe. Something like that. Well, like something like that. I just botched it. Like if you're Chinese and you're listening, you're going to say, what an idiot this guy was. But I would practice something like that mm -hmm. to order my summer fresh juice every morning. And like, I, it took me like a month. Like, and these girls would try to help me out. And I just felt so dumb. But so anyway, to answer your question, like, it's good to feel dumb too, in a way. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of people don't get out of their comfort zones. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing that, you know, you want to experience is try to mix your life up in a yeah. way that you're out of your comfort zone. A lot of people stay in their comfort zones mm -hmm. all the time. 
right? That's they do their routines, yeah. and then they wonder whether life is a little empty or a little boring or a little something. Yeah. Cool. What else? All right. Another question that I, <laughs> I have love for this. You. She's got so many questions. I do. Um, well, you have you're so multifaceted and you've experienced so much. Mm -hmm. So, how many businesses have you had? Oh, I don't know. Incarnations in this <laughs> lifetime. Oh, many. But go ahead. Well, I guess. Um, for someone who is interested in beginning their business journey, what's one of the major lessons that you came across um, that you think would maybe be the, the most helpful? I mean, I, I really think, you know, making that decision at some point, mm -hmm. do you want to work for someone else or do you want to work for yourself? I mm -hmm. think that's sort of a fundamental decision because if you want to work for someone else, if you don't want that, if you want the safety of working in a company, for instance, mm -hmm. or a school, whatever that is, it's a totally different journey then are you an entrepreneur in some way? Do you want to work for yourself? Do you want to figure it out, mm -hmm. you know, without the structure of someone else, you know, of having a boss? I haven't yeah. had a boss in 25 years, right? I'm not very good at taking directions from somebody that, you know, it's just like, I like, I'm coachable, I'm open-minded, yeah. but I don't like being told what to do. And a lot yeah. of times people that tell you what to do, they don't always know, right? Yeah. So making that fundamental decision is really important. Do you want to be an entrepreneur? And if so, then you're going to need to set your life up for that, which mm -hmm. means you're going to want to learn from other entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. right? Other, you're going to get advice and coaching and mentoring and form relationships with people that aren't necessarily working for others, right? They mm -hmm. figured it out somehow themselves. I remember decades ago playing golf on Torrey Pines in San Diego which was my home course when I lived in San Diego. It was very inexpensive mm -hmm. for us town people, but it was like, now it's incredibly expensive, yeah. you know, golf course or whatever. And I met this guy, it was like 25 years ago, I was in grad school or something, and he would sell, build a house and sell it and take a year off. Like he'd make a million bucks a year and then take a year off and then do it again. And that was his gig, he figured mm -hmm. that out. Somewhere along the way, he figured out how to build spec houses. Mm -hmm. He was an entrepreneur. And he also figured out how to sort of live a little bit, right? Take mm -hmm. time off in between and figure out his next sort of spec house. Mm -hmm. So that was a cool guy in my world, right? Someone that yeah. sort of figured out how to run their own show. Mm -hmm. Now, some people, they want to work at a corporation. They don't want the stress and the pressure and the mm -hmm. uncertainty and the doubt of trying to figure it out themselves. So again, figuring out who you are and what you're about and what you want, and then going and forming and creating relationships that support that. Mm -hmm. And then there's all that work of, you know, persevering and course correcting, right? Mm -hmm. We're always sort of learning, like, you know, I, I was having a text conversation with my first girlfriend in life this morning. She's a MD, PhD at Emory Medical Center teaches at Emory Medical School, right? She's like the chair of this or that. Mm -hmm. I mean, she's just like this highly accomplished, highly intelligent medical doctor. And we were going back and forth over ivermectin and some of these other treatments that are out there versus the vaccines mm -hmm. for, you know, um, uh, for COVID and everything. And it was a really interesting discussion because it's like I'm learning from somebody but not necessarily automatically believing I mean, yeah. we went back and forth and she's got an immense amount of experience and one of the things i said to her which she totally agreed with was that even in medicine it's like a bell curve 10 percent of doctors are truly amazing 
10% cause harm and everyone else is sort of on that curve. Mm -hmm. And she has taken over practices of doctors that she's had to, you know, um, reprimand or go after mm -hmm. in her position because she's found that to be true. And she felt it was sad that even in medicine, it's a bell curve. Mm -hmm. In other words, so what you want to be doing is finding the 10 or 20% near the top and learning from them mm -hmm. and then staying clear of the people that whatever their profession is, they're mm -hmm. not doing it well. You know, in what I said to her was there's sort of a combination of, you know, addictions and depression and then incompetence. And she talked about the incompetence piece, mm -hmm. but you know, it's more complicated, right? In psychology, yeah. there's a lot going on mm -hmm. why people aren't good at what they do. But if you're young and you want to learn, you want to learn from people that are very good at what they do, mm -hmm. if you can. Yeah. Okay, so I guess my final question. <laughs> final question. Is what um, what got you interested in sports psychology? I mean, everyone that has gone to college has had that experience of either having something they wanted or going through a couple of different majors that they've considered, um, but how did you come to sports psychology? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I was a double major economics and psychology at Emory University in Atlanta, mm -hmm. and I wasn't ready to get a doctorate in psychology, um, you know, right away. So I worked mm -hmm. in business in New York City for a couple of years first. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I was playing quarterback for our intramural, like, you know, fraternity. I was point guard. I was playing volleyball. I was mm -hmm. like shortstop, you know what I mean? And basically played everything you can think of, right? Mm -hmm. um, my twin, I'm an identical twin. My brother and I were really good athletes, hand-eye, mm -hmm. but we just didn't have the size to go anywhere with it. Mm -hmm. So the sports world is sort of my, like, you know, pure passion. Okay. So when I first did psychology, I got a doctorate in clinical and I worked for a, de a good decade with families and adolescents, anxiety, depression, everything you can think of under the sun, which is actually amazing training for athletes because you have this whole background in families and, mm -hmm. and all that stuff that in a way you need to help them. But it really wasn't until like the other side of the destruction of my life, which is another big story. But when I started over again in my early 40s, I just decided, you know what? I want to focus on the things I truly love, mm -hmm. and that is like entrepreneurs and athletes. Mm -hmm. And so that's when I sort of shifted focus maybe 10, 15 years ago okay. and just sort of redirected my energy mm -hmm. away from people that, you know, didn't fit. Even if they were good people, I would still mm -hmm. help some of them. But I started focusing on more of what, you know, was in my heart, which yeah. is athletes and entrepreneurs some business people some of the executives i enjoy but they tend to be a little more entrepreneurial the mm -hmm. real in, in the box executives just don't care for me that much i'm too i'm a little bit too out there i've done spiritual journey type stuff mm -hmm. and sometimes it sort of seeps out the yeah. spiritual realms and, and there's really like well you know mm -hmm. but for the most part i stick in that realm of entrepreneurs and athletes and then what i call spiritual fits like mm -hmm. universe fits where people find me and mm -hmm. then i have this sort of way of running a business where i let go of people in situations that don't work yeah it's never it's never really about the money ever in my mm -hmm. world right it's about is this thing a fit and am i gonna like love working with this person and mm -hmm. if it is it, they don't even have to be an entrepreneur or an athlete. It could be just somebody I'm meant to help. Mm -hmm. So that's our, sort of the spiritual realm where you just yeah. you just know that that you have this gift that they need at this time. Mm -hmm. 
and then I'm just going to allow it to occur. Um, but it was a difficult choice, sort of like, you know, business was empty when I was 23, 24 in New York. And so going to get a doctor in psychology felt more rewarding because mm -hmm. like I was always sort of wired to want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. And that's just sort of my wiring. So I tell people because these kids call me 23, 24 year old kids, 22, 21. They ask me at least three times a month for time to help them mm -hmm. make this decision. Do I get a doctorate in psychology or do I get a, you know, a master's? Do I do it in sports psychology or whatever? And then I'm always like, and I think I even said this to you when we first met, I'm always like the first thing you want to do is live with courage, mm -hmm. right? Travel the world, do something different, develop yourself. Mm -hmm. The programs matter for sure, but they're not as important as the way you live your life. Mm -hmm. So if you live with little or no fear, there's a really good chance you're going to be able to help a lot of people, mm -hmm. not just a little bit of people. And then if you follow your heart, right? then you're more likely to find the sort of realms where you fit the best. Mm -hmm. And then there's something like my first girlfriend, she is a scientist type. I mean, she's a perfect fit for a workaholic medical doctor that is going to help the planet. She grew up in the jungles of Southeast Asia and she had a very difficult childhood. So her heart is huge. And in medicine, that's pretty rare. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it just is to be so bright and so talented and to actually care at a level like this. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a perfect fit for her. Yeah. So finding your fit is really about like you sort of, you know, figuring out what do I love and then having the desire and the passion and the perseverance to just keep going in the direction and course correct along the way. Mm -hmm. Awesome. What else? Um, I guess maybe since you did mention um, mentoring and some some people coming to you for advice that are younger. Um, how do you feel or is there anything that you could say to young athletes that are watching? Any like advice that seems to be repetitive that almost every young athlete you've ever mentored has had this come up? Yeah, well, I'm going to say again from the beginning of our interview here. Thank you. Thank you so much for interviewing me. It's fun. Um, Meditate. I know it's hard in the beginning, but the, the benefits of meditation are just insane over months and years. Mm -hmm. the, the, like the ability to sort of trust yourself and to know yourself mm -hmm. better yeah. and to sort of work through the sort of psychological and emotional obstacles. There's so much power in meditating. And then the other thing is to stay away from advice that doesn't feel right. Mm -hmm. So be careful about who you ask for advice. You want to go to somebody who's generally positive and has, has done well in that particular field. Mm -hmm. So we want to stay away from naysayers and people that are fear-based. I often say that if you're, you know, asking for advice and somebody is fear-based, you're, you're moving in the wrong direction because mm -hmm. they're going to give you some version of fear, why it can't happen or why you won't succeed or, you know, mm -hmm. why, you know, something negative. So we want to stay clear negativity. There's enough. Life's difficult enough. We're going to have enough experiences with trauma and negativity. We don't need that from the people that are guiding us. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, cool. Hey, I'm Dr. Brett. Christina Town is here with us today. She's fabulous. <laughs> Thanks for having me. All right, very cool. Thanks for watching See It and Feel It with me, Dr. Brett. If you enjoyed this video, remember to like, subscribe, or share it with a friend.